Hello, everyone. Welcome to Relative Pitch, Episode 2, Life as a Musician in a COVID World and Beyond. My name is Anthony Morris, and I'm joined with Lauren Green and Michael Brown. We hope that you all enjoyed our last episode and getting to know us. This week, we wanted to talk about how we are dealing with COVID and some of our prediction of how the music world is going to be in the future. Lauren, why don't you go ahead and start off with some of your COVID stories from this past crazy summer? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, pre-COVID was when I was uh, doing my graduate auditions. And so as Michael, he'll talk about his experience with that as well. So I had actually just finished up my last audition, I believe, the weekend before the week where COVID really hit or we, you know, school started like closing down in the U.S. at least. And it was very odd. It was really weird because it kind of seemed like the beginning of the week was everyone talking about it, right? And just um, the, it was impending. Like we were like, is this really gonna happen? Is it not? And every day of that week, I just remember it kept getting more and more serious. And people were talking about switching to online and being out for a week or a month or the semester. And I remember, I think I was preparing recordings for Swanee, the Swanee Music Festival. And it was a Thursday. And my mind, I could not concentrate at all. Um, I was distracted, my, all my recordings, in my head I was just thinking, am I even gonna be able to do this? Like what's gonna happen, what does this mean? What does this mean? It was so new, it was so new. And so I remember I, th I called Michael and I was uh, on campus recording and I was like, hey, can I just come over? Like, I just, I'm really distracted. I just need to be like with people right now. And I think we, I think we all, I think you ended up coming home too later on, Anthony. And then we all just were talking and went out and did stuff. Um, but for me, thankfully, I got to do all of my auditions. Like none of them were canceled because of this. I know some people weren't able to go to their auditions. Um, the things, the main things for me that were like canceled because of this, which everyone has different things, but thankfully I was able to do my senior recital the, the last semester. So I was, I didn't have to compromise doing that, which I was very thankful for. But my last studio recital, it didn't happen. We did, you know, like a online thing, but it wasn't in person. And um, the last concert for symphony was supposed to be um, Capriccio Espanol, which I was really, it's a huge flute cadenza. I was looking forward to it. There's so many solos that were going to be amazing. And both of those concerts for symphony orchestra and wind ensemble are going to be really spectacular. So that was really hard to think about that. That was the last time that I was going to be playing with those groups. And we didn't even realize it was our last time when we were doing it, which was really hard. And of course, obviously all of us, I feel like the biggest thing may have been just graduation and maybe not even the ceremony, but like the things surrounding it, right? Like the, the dinners we would have had together, the conversations, just sharing in that moment with our colleagues and our friends, I think was really the hardest part about about this situation but of course it wasn't it would be really risky to do it and we understand why it happened um but it was really surreal i believe when it kind of when it, they announced that it finally wasn't going to be a thing and so it was it was just really it came out of nowhere but it didn't right it didn't come out of nowhere but for it felt like it came out of nowhere so um those were kind of the things for me that kind of halted once covid stopped i know michael may have had some some similar things happened for him. Yeah, well, I didn't really know about the COVID until uh, 
school got canceled. Honestly, I just, I don't keep up with the news, especially in the heat of everything. Cause like that last year I was teaching at three different schools in like in person. I had my like private studio going and it had like quintet. We were preparing for a quintet recital and my senior recital. And I was going to take the president's own uh, cornet spot audition and the Florida orchestra assistant principal audition like over the next, like the course of this year. Um, and everything got canceled. And it was like tragic because like for my senior recital, I had like a whole concerto I was gonna do. Um, Anthony was gonna be on the last half of it. Uh, it, was gonna, it was gonna be Friends and Brass Ensemble. So it was like me and my professor, Dr. Doug Lindsay was gonna play a duet. Me and Andrew Barry, who's a euphonium player, we had to do it commissioned for us. And then me and both of my professors were going to play Song for Hope um, for Ryan Anthony, who has sadly passed. Love you, Ryan Anthony. Um, and it was, that was going to be like the culmination of like, finally, I'm leaving. Goodbye. Love you. Um, to the next step. And then I was going to just start my auditions because I've never taken a professional audition. And I was like, now's the time, you know, summer. But yeah. And then Capriccio Espanol. But you know, COVID, which I didn't even know about until school got canceled. And I was like, what are y'all freaking out about? Like, why is school getting canceled now? Like, look it up on my phone. I'm like, oh, this was happening. Okay. <laughs> so. That was my story of last semester. It, I will say that last semester was probably one of the most hardest semesters and it had nothing to do with grades, nothing. You know, when you think of college, you're like, oh, you got this class and this class. It had nothing to do with that. It was just because the experience in itself was gone. It was just kind of, you know, robbed from us. Um, like Lauren said, our um, graduation. I mean, I didn't really care about the ceremony. I mean, that was more for my family who wanted to see me, even though they were stingy on their tickets, but that's a different story. Um, it was just the, the experience of graduating, you know, getting our bachelor's degrees. Um, for, I think most of us, we are the first ones in our families to actually get a bachelor's degree. Um, and go to college. So that was something, you know, we were all looking forward to do, but that was gone. I mean, we still got it, but it, it's the the principle of it all. Um, and my last semester, I, as I said in the first episode, it was jam-packed. I mean, student teaching, I was, you know, teaching high school uh, with some of uh, my great CT, my cooperating teacher, uh, Garrett Chain. Um, and Brandon Burley, they were phenomenal. So if you're listening, thank you so much for uh, helping me and guiding me through that semester. Um, but I also had um, a recital plans. I was going to conduct on Michael's recital. I was going to conduct on um, our friend Andrew Barry's recital. Um, there was all these things lined up and then everything was just like, oh, you're done. Um, some of my recital footage was going to be um, I was looking forward to applying to different conducting things. Uh, 
uh, Michigan State conducting symposiums. Sometimes they take videos, Northwesterns, um, and even the Midwest conducting symposiums. That was, you know, that was going to be my videos to send. And yeah, nothing. Um, and also that was all, that semester was my last one. So it's time to find a job. And let me just say, trying to find a job in the middle of COVID is not the funnest thing in the world. I mean, usually when you have a job interview, you'll go, you'll get to see the school, you get to talk, you know, face to face with the principal. But it's just like what we're doing now, if you're watching our YouTube video, it's looks just like this where there's might be six or seven people on the call and everyone's asking me questions that I'm just answering the best that I can but there's this disconnect because I am a person who likes to see body language I'm, I'm a person who feeds off of the energy in the room and I cannot see that so some of the questions I were asked I just kind of looked at them very dumb because like I don't know like am I doing this right am I answering the questions like what's going on I don't know what's happening um, so that was a terrifying situation going on. But at the end of the day, I guess, it, it, I mean, it worked out. I have a job and everything and I love exactly where I'm at. Um, so it did end up, you know, doing some good and we're, we're playing and we're singing and everything right now. But those, what was it? Three to four months, y'all? Like, was it, I think it was three to four months or something like that. Excuse my language. It was, it was hell. Honestly, like it really was because I, one thing that I love to do is conduct. Uh, you can ask Michael, you can ask Lauren, you can ask any of my friends. Uh, Michael, we used to live together. He would walk in my room and I'm just sitting here conducting in the air. I have my AirPods and just conducting. And because of the COVID, I just kind of put it down. Like I just didn't have the motivation to do it anymore. Cause I was like, what what's going to happen next so it, it took a long time um i originally said in the first episode some of the songs that i had planned for um my recital i still have yet to go back to those songs and try to conduct them because it just brings back those memories and you know it's a little sad it is a little sad and i think we've all had our things. I know Michael and Lauren, they had their big auditions planned and everything. So we were like great senior college students. We had our careers ready. We had everything ready. And then uh, they say, oh, everything's canceled. Good luck. Best of luck to you. Bye-bye. Um, that was a little sad though. But um, so what y'all like, what were some of the other things that y'all had to deal with going on? So for me, um, the, I think the hardest part as a performance major COVID was not being able to perform, just, you know, being very blunt about it. Um, the concerts being canceled, recitals being canceled, it was really hard because I, like a lot of other people, thrive on deadlines and knowing that there's something coming up to look forward to. So for it to be, when was it, about March and about mid-March, and everything seemed to stop, it was kind of hard to stay motivated. And I don't think I would have been, been as successful with continuous practicing if Michael didn't suggest that we did the 100 days of practice challenge on Instagram. And if you don't know what that is, it is um, a challenge people do. I mean, you can do it on whatever platform you like, but we chose to do it on Instagram where you post a segment of your practice session 
like every day for a hundred days continuously is what you're supposed to do for it. Now people there, of course, things happen and you know, you might need a break or everything, but we actually tried to stick to the continuous one a day challenge. And it was a lot. We, I don't think we realized how much it actually took to get, like finish that challenge. And everyone was coming out, like sending us stuff like, wow, I cannot believe you guys are doing this. When we hit the 25 day mark, 50, 75, and then a hundred, it was a huge milestone uh, to complete, especially during times like this, because it wasn't just COVID. It was also a lot of things just going on political wise um, with our country. And so to maintain that and to commit a part of our lives to that still, um, I'm very thankful for that because I don't know if I would have been as um, willing to do that every single day if I didn't have that incentive. So that's kind of something that I tried to do to stay motivated during. Um, and of course, I was still learning music. We had we had little virtual recitals and um, jury is still online and everything. So those were good to work look work for work towards um but i think it was just weird it really was just odd um of not knowing exactly what was because we were all waiting to see what are our schools gonna want us to do are we gonna even be at school or is it gonna be all online and that was a huge thing for me i'm like am i really gonna move to albuquerque or am i staying here so it was like kind of and i remember the week that finally was like no you have to move that i was like oh my gosh i actually have to like find a place and get and figure out how i'm gonna get there and trying to move during a pandemic across country would not recommend, just would not recommend. Um, it was, you know, it could have been more stressful. I will say that I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out, but it definitely was something that I had to overcome. Um, and I'm stronger <laughs> because of it. I will say that, but yeah, that was, it was really hard. I think the, uh, tr the transition from either bachelor's to occupation, like Anthony or bachelor's to master's, was just something that is already tough enough, but then adding on the layer of just uncertainty and like instability because we were not sure exactly what it's going to look like. That was probably the scariest part. It's like we didn't know what we were kind of walking into. Um, so that was the, but I think the 100 days, like I said, was a really good thing to keep me motivated during and everything. And um, Michael can talk more about his uh, time with that. <laughs> Yeah, um, the weirdest part about the last semester was when we found out we couldn't do any more live performances. So why am I even doing a senior recital? Let me be real. Like, what? Why? If I'm just going to record it in a garage for Facebook Live or for YouTube, you know what I mean? and do my concert notes or program notes, whatever they're called and stuff. So like, that's what I had to do. Like it gave me something to prepare for every day, but I'm over here like, I do well when I'm always busy, not when I have nothing to do. That's why even this master's degree is a little crazy because you have more freedom than undergrad. But I'm over here like, I don't have to be at school today till 12. And then I'm only have to be at school for two hours. What do I do? And so like the pandemic actually helped me learn how to be productive when I had nothing going on. But like, it was hard to just be like, okay, it's 1 p.m. I'm finally getting warmed up. When it's usually in school is seven or eight in the morning. So it's like I had to adjust to things. And then part of my thing was 
how much time do I spend with my family now that I have this unbelievable opportunity to be at my dad's house? And then how much time do I still practice? And then do this schoolwork and then do this. But like the whole thing for me was preparing for a senior recital that was not going to be heard in public or live. That was the hardest part where I was like, what am I practicing for? A grade? Like tests are for grades, even though they shouldn't be. Um, tests should be for knowledge, but it, that's just what it was the last little bit. And I'm like, this is great. I hope this is not what a Zoom university does <laughs> from now on out. But I know Anthony had a, a time or two getting ready for school under these extreme circumstances, teaching six grade, seven different grades, six grades. Yeah, um, so I teach six through 12. And so I got officially hired um, in June. Um, and so I was like, yay, I have a job. Like, you know, when you're in college, you're like, okay, let me get a job, let me get a job, let me get a job, boom. You finally got a job. Oh my God, what am I supposed to do now? Now in college, when you're taking your, your methods classes and all these other classes, they tell you, all right, this is due. This is how you do it. Boom, 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 boom. But when you're by yourself, nobody's telling you what to do. It's all on you. Um, so my first hurdle, basically, which they can attest to, because we actually took a trip down to Jacksonville to visit Michael. Um, and they were like, we need a marching show. Still marching band was still being planned. Um, in Florida, we have MPA. And when I got hired, MPA was still a thing and they haven't, you know, canceled it or anything. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm supposed to find a show. How do I do that? Everything that I learned in college just kind of went away. Like it was, it was like I was brand new at all of this. So I was at Michael's house and I'm just sitting there and I'm not someone who gets stressed out by things. I usually... Great at especially under pressure. I'm like, all right, this is what we're doing. When I tell you that was the most stressful day of my life, luckily I had these two with me to really just kind of help me through it. Because I, I I can remember sitting at the dinner table uh, at like twelve o'clock, just sitting there with my head, like my hands is on my head, like what am I about to do? right now how do i do this what do i do now what is this what is that how do i even try to find stuff like how do you find a marching show how how for uh, about 30 something kids like how do you do that um and i'm just sitting here like oh my god that was my first hurdle and then so i did whole stressing and yes there were some libations of courting you know to help However, the next day now, the next day, um, I get a text, MPA is canceled. I, when I, it felt like a ton of weight just got off of my shoulders um, because I didn't have to worry about that. I could literally just focus on first day, what am I going to teach? How am I going to teach? Everything like that. Because March, I mean, I got hired in June, July starts marching camps and i was hearing other you know people that graduated with me i mean michael and lauren they were already contracted to do marching camps and i'm sitting here like i ain't got nothing planned just yet what is going on but mpa was canceled so i was like okay so 
So I don't have to get a marching show, but we are still going to do something for the football game. So that was a load of stress off of me. When that came in, y'all, when I tell you, I was like, Michael, Lauren, I need you to go to the store. I need cookies. I need cake. I need candy. I need all these things, like all of my just comfort foods. I need it right now. I need everything. Buy me the whole birthday cake from Public Sam's, wherever. Please bring it to me because yesterday was one of the most stressful days of my life. Okay. But again, COVID, it's... So Michael said he learned how to deal with it, you know, and find ways to cope. For me, I stayed in my bed for 24 hours and then repeated the next day, the next day, the next day. I took that time to not do anything. However, I am also a person who I thrive on deadlines. When I know something is due here, I have something to look forward to. COVID was not good for me because there was nothing really to look forward to. Um, before me, before getting my job, I had interviews. I'm like, all right, on Thursday, I have an interview. Okay. <sighs> Up Thursday morning, here's my interview. Boom. Like, there was nothing else to do. I moved back home with my parents, and I just literally woke up, watched YouTube videos, said hello to my dad. Hi, mom. Hello, brother. Uh, ate a lot of food, got back in bed hit that repeat button the next day. And that, that was just my routine. Um, so it, it was very, very interesting going through that time and go, being stressed out of my life. Now I will say I am great. I found my rhythm in teaching. Everything is wonderful. We just had a football game. We, we record usually on Saturday. So I just had a football game yesterday and the kids are having fun time. I'm actually having fun. So to know that all of my stress from the summer has kind of dissolved. Um, one thing that I will also say about stress, so I developed hives, okay? So hives sometimes is caused by stress. And this summer through COVID really put stress on me. And as I said, I'm not a stressful person. Dude, like I have never been a stressful person, like a stressed out person. But because of everything that was going on in COVID, you're a new teacher. You have to do this. You have to do this. Hives just came all over my body in like big hives. I was showing Michael and Lauren and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I don't know. Michael always loves to make the joke of like, my body hates me. It's because my body does hate me. And it was feeling how much stress was, you know, put upon me. And it just was like, well, we got to deal with the stress somehow. So that's what happened. Now everything is great. I found my rhythm. I love, 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 love teaching band, teaching choir, just teaching music. Um, I will say one anecdote is I love teaching sixth graders. When I was in college, I was like, I don't want to teach sixth graders. I don't, don't, nope, 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 nope. But I have fallen in love with teaching beginners, teaching, teaching them notes and rhythms and instruments. I love that. So this, this, it's only been, this is about to start week six and I am in love. So that is one good thing that did come out of COVID. Lauren, so how, how was your stress? How was dealing with all that? So it was very interesting for like for me because 
we, I, 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 like, we all thrive on deadlines. We all need that something that's like, oh, this is coming up. Make sure you're prepared for that. And there was always something coming up. So having nothing coming up for the almost like March through the summer was really hard. And for me, I had to find ways to stimulate my brain and be a, like try to be in the moment but away from the world a little bit so i started like coloring like i got those adult coloring books with uh, like the huge thing of i got the color pencils and markers and it's like something that seems so trivial but i would put in my airpods like play like a symphony or some like a piece of the day that i really wanted to listen to and i would just like color and really get lost in in what I was doing and try to forget what was going on around me for the minute. And that that time, like that was like really sacred time. Like I needed that. Once I got a taste of it, I was like, I have to do this every day or I don't feel balanced anymore. Cause it just allowed me to be away from everything that was going on and just really focus my energy into something. And I liked doing it. It was fun at the end, seeing the finished product and I wouldn't try to make a skin. I would just try to, you know, pick colors as I went and just, you know, try to make something out of it. And that was something that was really fun and not something that, I mean, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't productive, but it, you know, it's not like I was submitting it to like a art museum or something, but it was just something for me to do that was really fun. And I just got sick of screens. I got so sick of looking at a screen because of like just classes and typing and all this stuff, sending emails and like just preparing for my master's, I felt like I was always eyes on a screen. And so during that time, I really wanted to get away from it because I can get sensory overload like really easily. Like if I'm just on screens too much, I'm like, no, I can't do it anymore. So having that away time, I started going on walks more, which are really nice and just remembering like, oh, the outside, that's a thing. <laughs> you know, I forgot what anything besides a practice room looked like during that that semester preparing for auditions and going to auditions and so those were and that was something I, my studio professor the uh, at UNM the first studio class we had she asked like what were some things musical I think musically and non-musically that you did during COVID and like to help and everything and I, I said that you know and everyone was like yes like we love coloring and it's just something that's so therapeutic Cleaning is also therapeutic to me. So organizing, <laughs> they disagree with me. Um, but <laughs> me personally, like I love seeing something chaotic turn anew and looking just really organized and everything. But um, moving, it wasn't that. I, I, I disagree with, with that with moving. I did not enjoy that. But it was nice seeing everything kind of put away and gone. So yeah, that, that was kind of something. It was stressful of just filling the day. I think it was just like everyone's desire to fill the day with something productive. And I just met up with friends, old friends from um, undergrad who they were, they were just talking about how they felt really discouraged and how they weren't practicing every day and how they felt bad because they weren't. And I just remember just being like, you know, mental health is like number one always. And sometimes a break day is more important than pulling out your instrument or warming, you know, vocal, vocally warming up or anything because um, it makes it even better. Having that rest day in between can really do a lot more than actually practicing. And so that's something I've, I've had to start feeling less guilty about. Not that I'm, I'm actually, I actually am practicing regularly now these days versus the end of the summer where I was moving. But if there are days that come and go where I choose not to practice, I try to tell myself, don't 
get on like don't pressure yourself into feeling like you have to practice like think if like if you can and you think it would be like really helpful absolutely do it but then there are some days where you're like take a break you need it. it might be more helpful than anything after the 100 days of practice um challenge that we did i took a, a hiatus for a while and just put it away and was like i'm just going to focus on preparing for this move and figuring out other life things and it was very helpful and i didn't lose you know i was scared like oh every day i pass i don't i forget one scale no that doesn't happen like it that's not a thing it just it actually just calms your mind it just like secures things that were things that were already in your fingers muscle memory all that fun stuff it's like when you study right before bed and then you wake up for your test and it feels like it's just glued in there like i love that feeling i love that feeling and i think like taking breaks away really help with that um and so yeah those are the kind of things i did to deal with stress were just kind of getting out of the moment or getting getting out of the world and get like putting myself in the moment and just being with myself learning how to be like okay with just me and like living on my own for the first time like just me living on my own has really shown me a lot about like me as an individual and being able to be very happy and satisfied with just myself and everything and i think yeah, we're all actually living on our own right now well michael has a dog so which has been a fun fun new thing for him if you want to talk about your uh how you deal with your stress uh but before michael i just want to be like we have we're all living by ourselves now and both of them know i am an introvert like i love being by myself um and so during covid it was like oh wow i'm, I'm by myself but I'm, I, like i'm with my family like my mom and my dad and everything but like now that I'm by myself, I am so at peace. When you get your own place, literally the Ari Lennox song, New Apartment, I was banging that when I got my new apartment. Like, it's just so peaceful. It's wonderful. Michael loves dogs, so, like, he has a dog, and that's peaceful for him. But, like, again, what Lauren said is that mental health. Find something that you love to do. Um, and do it. One thing that I struggle with, a lot of things that I love to do, we're all gone. Like, I am a big, and from the poster, I'm a big cruiser. Like, I love cruise ships. I love just going on YouTube and looking up cruise ships. Because of COVID, cruising is canceled. So, I'm like, okay, well, that's over. But I found things, you know, just honestly, for me, talking with my family, talking, you know, having hour-long conversations with my mom and my dad, that was peaceful for me. Or helping my brother decide what his major is gonna be because he's, um, he's a junior right now, so he's really looking into college. Helping him get ready for that stuff, that's peaceful. That is you know, putting my mind at rest from the stresses of the world. So find something that you love to do. It can be something small or it can be something big. Find what you love to do and please, 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 Take mental health days when you need it to. Don't let nobody tell you that you don't need that because it's your body, it's your mind, and you need to have peace of mind, okay? That, that's my little PSA for all the listeners around here. So I'm going to use that as a segue also dealing with my stress. So when I deal with stress, I just compartmentalize 
put it in this nice little bottle, screw the tap on extra tight where you can't get it unloose the next time. And then it all just explodes and I am a raging bad person for three days, maybe four, maybe a week, you know, who never knows. Or I just have a meltdown. Either way, I just like to compartmentalize, especially during the heaviness. But like what I did, which is something I don't do, well, I cook a lot. I like to host. Um, when we were in Kennesaw, I used to grill out every other weekend pretty much and have a bunch of people over, watch a football game, or we just talk. So I just cooked and um, like cooked more. And then I just spent, we have three bulldogs, a chihuahua, and a flat-faced Persian cat at my dad's house. A lot of animals. So you don't have to think about anything else but animals. And they love attention. So I ended up taking one of the bulldogs with me up to Michigan. And I've never been a homebody. I like going out and talking to people and doing stuff, spending money. It's my favorite thing to do in the world. But like being here, I become more of a homebody, watch movies, this, that, and the other, spend time with my dog, cook a lot more, sit on my porch, drink coffee, you know, what normal people do. I usually like to go to a coffee shop and sit down and then just keep ordering coffee. And then you're like $30 later. Like I've had a lot of coffee, not going to be able to sleep for the rest of the day. But one thing I had to separate, especially with practicing and stuff and being by yourself, what I noticed a lot is I would not play well six days out of the week. And then my lesson, I would play great. Then the next six days were bad. My next lesson, I play great. So I had to focus a lot on separating my personal performance and how I sounded on the trumpet from Michael Shannon Brown Jr. Trumpet, Michael Shannon Brown Jr. used to be there, and now I'm like, we're two different things. Like, I am a trumpet player, but I'm not just a trumpet player. And so I had to find hobbies and stuff, and I've picked up watching football again. I used to do that a lot when I was in my youth. Go dogs. Uh, go Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, but um, that's a big thing that we struggle with that people don't talk about is how to separate our performance life from our personal life. And I've struggled with this since sophomore year undergrad. And it's just been a big thing that's weighed on me, especially as a teacher. I would always say, if my students don't perform X, well, I'm a bad teacher, I'm a bad person, end of period. You know what I mean? There's no talking me off of that route. That I'm just bad, a person, because I'm a bad teacher, because they couldn't perform this well enough. You know what I mean? Not being like a normal, same person, I gave them everything I could do, and they performed at this. That's where they're at in their life. And Separating us from YouTube stars is another thing that I think this generation of musicians, we see people our age doing fantastic things that we cannot do. And we try to push our development way past where it should be, playing pieces or doing stuff that we have no business doing, like at all. But we want to push our development to be them. That's where they are at in their development. They are not you. You are not they. You know what I mean? And that's where I, biggest struggle of COVID 
is separating the way I play the trumpet and the way I am every day. Best answer, dogs and a lot of steak and chicken and, McDon and McDonald's french fries. <laughs> you know, that that's a big thing of, of, you know, separating yourself. I mean, now that I am a full-time teacher, um, telling myself, you know, if my kids are not getting something right when I think they should, it's like, uh, I go home and I'm like, oh, why, why aren't they getting this? But, you know, you, you have to realize the development. Things aren't, aren't you know, just naturally not going to click on the first try. Um, so I feel like all of us have been through that. And I'm pretty sure our teachers who taught us have been through that as well. Um, so I think that's just maybe not yours, not yours. But but you 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 know how we have to do that. Like we just have to separate ourselves. We are not our instrument. We're not our voice. We're or we are our voice. You know, but we're we're not like the soprano. We're not a bass, a tenor. We're not a flute. We're not a trumpet. We're not a conductor. We are Anthony Keith Morris Jr., Lauren Green. Michael Shannon Brown Jr. We are us, not our our occupation or instrument or voice. Yeah, I I I mean I agree so much with everything that y'all just said. Like I think our generation is really starting to say, hey, we're not just about our like what we're doing in school or what our careers or everything. We are ourselves and this is what we choose to do. And we have so many different interests that are non-music related. And what the problem with associating yourself with just your what you do for your um, for schooling or for your occupation is yeah, if you have a bad day, it can ruin your day. I remember whenever I was going through uh, graduate school auditions and there was one day I wanted to do a mock audition for Michael and it was not going well. I, for some reason, I, there was a mental block in my head and I remember, and I just was like, I'm done. I want to go home. And I didn't even finish playing the mock audition. And it, it was, I had to shake it. It felt like it felt dirty on me, like just feeling the amount of disappointment in myself, but also because of the amount of pressure we put on ourselves, especially preparing for auditions, like as a performance major, um, it can really get you going in your head. I was constantly like, oh, this, how, how are you able to play it so bad? Like, you know, and it probably wasn't even that bad. I was just so in my head about it. And so that is a problem. Like you do associate your failures with yourself and then it's like the imposter syndrome. It's like the things that go, well, you're like, was it really that? Or was there some, some other reason why I did so well yet? Or was it a fluke? But then when it's like something we do like a failure, it's like, yeah, that was all you, but that was you, you, you failed in that you're a bad person because of that. And it's, it's not a good thing to do because like development is just this. It isn't just this. It's a constant every time. Sometimes you go up, sometimes you go down, then you go back up and it's, it, you have to find your own way. And yeah, it's so hard not to compare ourselves. Right. Um, to the people around us, the people that we see winning jobs or do it, winning competitions. Like, you're like, wow, he's only, he's my age or she's my age, or they're like, you're younger than me even. And they're doing these things and it can really, it's not a good place to be mentally. It'll really mess you up. Um, everyone is on their own journey and the things that are not meant for you 
that means there's something else better meant for you. And it may suck. I know that because I, with auditions, competitions and everything, when you don't get something, we can take it really personally, right? I personally, like, just, I'm like, why, why was it not me? Why was it not me? Instead of thinking, wow, someone else just got something that was really meant for them. And that's kind of what I, what I have to start. And I have been starting to think that anything that I wasn't given wasn't meant for me. And that's just, that is, it is what it is. Um, and so, and yeah, and that's, I'm sure that'll be an episode later on that we talk about just imposter syndrome in, in a general, but that has been something that has come out of this for me, especially after auditions, like that slew of auditions, I had seven for my master's and it was rough. It was a lot. It was like every weekend, go plane, plane, drive, plane, like just constantly, it was exhausting. And people don't talk about that enough, not just the Five, like five to 10 minute audition, but the actually traveling, the money to get there, that's something that I don't think I was ready for. I was prepared for um, as much as I was the playing aspect of it. But yeah, so it's during these times, I feel like the most important thing, like Anthony mentioned, like I mentioned, is your mental health and just making sure that you are okay and that like whenever you pick up your instrument or you start practicing with whatever you're doing, that you are in that right headspace to do so. Because if not, you could be doing more damage than good and you don't even know it. Um, but I think that we are all in way better places now than we were then. You know, it's nice to see everyone like Anthony is in Florida doing his thing. And um, yeah, talk. tell us more about Wildwood. Well, yeah, um, I just want to piggyback on something that you said is, um, I just had a thought, like, don't let decisions by other people affect who you are. Um, I've been told since I was younger, you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear a yes. And don't let those no's break you down because that was not meant for you. That was meant for somebody else. But the, when you get that yes, that is meant for you. And this goes for Wildwood. I had many um, interviews um, and I got told to know quite a few times where it was like, am I even going to teach it? Is this right for me? Like, you know, no one really prepare you to hear no. Everyone is like, you're going to get it. Boom, boom, boom. You, no one ever says, be prepared for the no's. Um, and so you hear all these no's and for when you're teaching, a lot of places want you to have some type of experience. So when you're fresh out of college with no actual teaching experience and they're like, well, we're looking for someone that's been teaching three to five years. Well, what is there for me? What is there for a person that just graduated for college? What is going on? Um, it's like, you're not even giving me a chance to get the experience. So it that that was also part of the stress factor of the summer of like, what in the world? I mean, our my teachers in college, they said, be prepared. You know, they did say, be prepared. People want experience. But the thing I, what I hope and I pray for, and I hope that I am one of the ones that will be in those positions is, look for those people who have who just graduated from college. Look to see if they have some potential. Because the thing is, once you unlock potential, 
those are the people that will continue to bring success for themselves and for you and for every artist thing. We always want to uplift music at the end of the day. Those are the type of people I want to be in music because they know how it is to fight up instead of traveling down, okay? So please don't let those no's really determine who you are. Um, I had to learn that. I really did. And luckily, I got my big yes at Wildwood, and it was for me. It was just for who I am and being here and just talking with some of the staff. I have the staff here at Wildwood is some of the best people I've ever met. So supportive. They're always like, do you need anything? What is there? You know, all of this. The staff is there for me. Um, literally just at a game, um, one of the teachers there, she she's also a band mom, but she's she was helping. She's like, do you need anything? And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for, you know, being here because there are places in the world where the staff don't want anything to do with band, anything to do with choir, but they are always here. And it is so refreshing to see that. Um, so being here is where I need to be. At this point in my life, this is where I need to be. And I hope that I am doing a service to the kids and to the community around um, because they are giving me something. So I hope that I'm giving something of equal value back to them. Um, so that is how I find my enjoyment in just teaching is I hope that my kids learn something um, from me. Uh, yesterday on Friday um, in choir class, I actually taught them a little bit of conducting um, where we're doing Christmas music because it's October and, and in music world, October is Christmas time. Um, so we started Christmas music and on Friday, you know, after a long week, I was like, well, what can I do? And I was like, all right, who wants to come up and conduct? And there was quite a few people who raised their hands and they came up. Did they know exactly what they were doing? No. But was it fun to get the spirit up? Yes, it absolutely was. So I was at the piano playing. They were cueing me in, cueing the choir. Uh, one of my students, uh, the choir didn't come in. And she was like, I just gave the biggest prep and y'all did not come in. And it just tickled me because I was like, that is something I would say as well. But also, you know, she is brand new at this and she's like, y'all need to be paying attention. And it's so good. It's those little moments that really keep you invested in teaching. And it, those are the times where I'm like, this is exactly where I want to be, where I need to be. Um, so those are some of my COVID stories um, that have happened over the past four or five months. Um, and so I'm glad I'm glad to be here. Also, a good thing that happened out of COVID, this podcast. So we're here. We're here. This is true. This is true. To piggyback off of um, Anthony, the good things and what did we gain and all this other stuff. Um, I know for myself personally, when the heat of the semester and teaching, you don't get to fix the cracks that pop up in your foundation of like music knowledge, playing knowledge, life in general. So like this, like I think about a month and a half before I came to Western, to Kalamazoo, I started just going back to the basics. Pulled out the Trumpet Bible, which is the Arvin book, 
went to the pages that everybody be talking about, all the professors, uh, you need to do this page, do this page. Well, finally, I did the pages. I finally sat down and did it and practiced like with the drone, with the med, with the drum beats, recording myself. Like I've always been told, like, I'll, and I always question that. I was like, why do I need this with a med? Meds are stupid. They make me sound wrong. I don't want to sound wrong. I want to sound right. <laughs> and then with a drone too, because I don't have a good ear. It's no secret to all my friends. This thing don't work to hear intervals and stuff of that nature. Sit down with a drone and hear how out of tune I am half the time. I wanted to quit. But the metronome didn't let me quit. So that's why you use them together because one pushes you along, lets you try to forget what you just shouldn't have heard. Um, but I got to go back to the basics, which I've neglected for a while because we're just pushing rep. In undergrad, sometimes it just seems like you're pushing ensemble rep, you're pushing solo rep, you're learning excerpts, especially your senior year. You're just like getting ready for all the grad auditions or you're like your education major, you're getting ready to teach your last semester and then go be a teacher. And it's just like, we always get rolling down the hill, but COVID kind of stopped that and let you reapproach the hill, I would say. Um, so it was really good. And I mean, coming up here, like grad audition results, that was rough. Um, luckily, I started out with a yes before any of the no's came. So I was like, okay, we are good. Anything happens, I got this. You know what I mean? But the no's hurt. The no's hurt. Even the wait list hurt. You're like, ah, oh, because you're like, I was this close. But I think for me, coming to Kalamazoo, which is a lot like Macon, Georgia, being my nose Macon is very slow paced. You know, my nose Kennesaw, you're on a speedway. You know what I mean? I was that person on the speedway. I jumped on and I went faster. And it's been good for me to just relax, become a suburban dog dad, get my coffee from the local coffee shop, shop at like fresh markets. You know, I am the epitome of a suburban dad. I even drive a white like sedan. Like I am the epitome of a suburban dog dad. And he's and my dog is looking at me like, what are you talking about? Why aren't we going for a W-A-O-K? Can't say it or he'll start getting crazy. So for me, calming down my inner self has been revolutionary. Now I just, and I listen to a lot of house music now. We were talking, I was going to talk to Anthony and Lauren about this before, but like in the car in the morning when I'm not listening to trumpet, try not to do that unless I'm in like at school now. I listen to house chill music. Never done that before. And I'm just like chill now. I'm like a hippie, but I'm not a hippie because I'm not a hippie. Um, and I'm just relaxing and chilling. I get to the morning, get to school at 8 a.m. I'm like pull out my truck. I'm like, I don't care what comes out. We're just going to get going. I'm chill. I'm zen, drinking my coffee. I got my water in the other hand. And I'm not dehydrated. And that's what COVID has offered me was to slow myself down. Because I would often run myself ragged and like sleep for like three hours at night and then just run myself ragged again. And like Anthony can attest to it, he like texted me when we were living together, and it was in the heat of like marching man season is my favorite season. And Anthony does not understand why. I love it. I go crazy for it. Like that is my time. And I'll be like up at 2 a.m. just like listening to stuff and like listening to like 
like Southern University, just like Holy Grail, just like getting it. And then like DCI stuff, which is like Nerdum Kingdom. And Anthony's like, why are you, what, what do you do? It's 2 a.m. Go to sleep. I am his, ne- I was his next door neighbor <laughs> in our apartment. So anything he was listening to is waking me up out of my sleep. And if you know me, you better respect my sleeping time. So I'm hearing nothing but loud brass playing. And I just sent him a nice, nasty text. Please get off of all this and go to bed, okay? Please go to bed. I just sent him the link to the video. And then he would just walk up to the door. I'm like, hey, you want to (laughs) listen? And then I'll finally go to sleep and then sleep through my alarm, you know, how everybody does it. If you don't sleep through your alarm, you're not doing life right. Um, But I'm going to let Lauren talk about, like, what she has actually gained from COVID, because we talk about negatives a lot. Let's talk about what we gained. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, of course, relative pitch being uh, born, it was the, was was a really amazing thing. It kind of came later, like this was a more recent development um, than other things, but having this as a project to work on and look forward to has been so rewarding in so many different ways. It's a great talking point to, uh, friends and families like wh- how did this happen like like who whose idea was it like what are you guys going to do with it um and it's a beautiful thing that's come out of it and it's making us even closer because like, a lot of people you know drift away like some friendships unfortunately relationships don't last um longer than a class <laughs> or like, one class a semester or even a year or a, a degree but I think this, we were already going to, this wasn't going anywhere, but now this is just strengthening it even more. So I think, cause relationships are super important to me. And so having this as a thing that we get to do together is so rewarding and I love it so much. So this was an amazing thing to come out of it. I'm currently, you know, doing my master's at UNM. Um, that's in Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. And I, the, the main thing I was worried about was how, how am I going to find friends during a pandemic? And that's like the main thing that as I'm, I'm back home right now and everyone's been like, have you, have you found your group yet? Have you found your people? And like my studio at UNM, like is kind of like made up of some of the most amazing people, like personality wise, but also like great musicians as well. So it's all, it's so nice having like that friendship to come out of it. Cause I wasn't expecting it. I was like, I'm probably not going to find people who are, you know, comfortable hanging out during this or um, can't even find people at all because most classes are online. So it's like you you can't really meet people. But I was able to find like a group of people um, and it, that's been really great. Like that's really important to me to have like your nest of people wherever you go because it's like the people who support you, the people who help you when you need something, you have to call like, I, I truly need help with this. Those are your people. Um, so that's, that's been a continuous thing, I think in my life. And I think all of our lives is just having the people who you can rely on and everything. But right now, you know, it is the time where, because we don't have super harsh deadlines or I don't at the moment have super harsh deadlines. It's the time where I get to work on scales a lot. I get to really work on like bring out the tuner and really, really look at, oh my gosh, like, what is that? Let me fix that. Um, adjust like uh, positioning and things that kind of get neglected during audition season when you're just constantly running rep all the time, all the time, all the time. And so it's getting back to the basics. I've been doing, you know, the scales, melodic, uh, minor, harmonic, minor, major, all those, the ones that I hate. Um, 
and uh, uh my my technique books and exercises tapping on gobert shout out flute players you know what that is um and just like etudes galore just doing etudes and really trying to try to focus on just those fundamentals because they really do like go over and apply to the music that you play and i don't think uh it's hard to it's hard to do those when you're constantly preparing for auditions. It's hard to really focus on your fundamentals when you're constantly doing a concert, recital, audition, something. So that is a positive out of this is even though there aren't deadlines to keep us structured down and held down, we have this opportunity to focus on things that we normally wouldn't have time to. And so that's kind of like when I do my warm-up sessions, that's kind of how I start is just doing a nice long hour of like power hour. I think my friend Jimmy uh, coined that. He just calls it power hour of just like fundamentals and really like just laying in there and getting a nice foundation and getting warmed up. And then you go to your uh, repertoire that you're learning for whatever recital or anything. And so that's kind of what I've been up to, you know, just finding a healthy balance between um, practicing academic work, obviously, social life, me time i've been trying to find series to just really get invested in i love that i love like putting my phone away and just like being locked and like oh my gosh what is this what is it it takes you to i love that reading or like reading books or getting into a really good series um is really great so i think overall it's been it's more solidifying the fact that i am a libra and i am about the scales and i need to be balanced and if it's this, I'm sad. If it is this, I am sad. It must be this. I have to find that perfect balance. And it's not just flute all the time. That's what we're, that's what we've been saying. Like, it's not just our careers or our education that like makes us up. It's everything. It's, we have, there's so much layers to human beings. And when we try to only be one thing, when people see us only as one thing, it can be a lot can be really detrimental to your mental health because if anything goes wrong with that one thing, it's like, that's you, you know? But instead it's like, okay, well, like, yeah, I had a pretty bad, uh, I didn't do as good as I wanted to in my practice session, but I'm not a terrible person <laughs> because of it. That used to be how I thought, like, seriously, like I used to have a bad session and go, I am a terrible human being. Like, how dare I like make that phrase sound that way? And I'm just glad that I'm to the point where I know that that was ridiculous. Um, and I hope that other people realize that before, you know, burnout is a thing, y'all. Like, burnout is so real. And it's it, these are the things, these little micro things every day cause that burnout. So you really have to, like, be careful with how you talk to yourself. Like, treat yourself like you treat your best friend. You would never, like say oh you had a bad session today oh you're awful like you're garbage like that is never something i would say to michael or anthony so why would i say that to myself you know it's like we forget that we are our own friend like we're trying to help we're helping ourselves so yeah that's um and those are the kind of things that have come from covid it's a lot of mental like health things and just finding that balance to make me who i am and that's been really really refreshing so um i think now it's like everyone's just questioning what, what's next like what comes next you know yeah um i was gonna say one thing that i am proud of which didn't really happen in uh covid um it happened more recently is that um i'm part of the graduate conductor assistant um the grad ta assistant um facebook page um and i saw this one post where it was talking about 
let's just have an hour where we talk about Hindemith Symphony and B flat. And it was just listening, but I found so much pleasure in that. I am not a grad assistant whatsoever. Like I, this is my first year teaching, but I found enjoyment in that because we are listening to some phenomenal music we're sitting here nerding out like we were i mean not me i was more listening but everybody's like what about this what is this what is this what is this and i was like oh my gosh like i haven't talked about um symphony and b flat since college like oh my gosh this is what i what i've been missing um and so that got me thinking when are we gonna play this again you know when is when ensemble art is gonna play Symphony B flat or Winds of the Wall or Elsa's Procession to the Cathedral. When are we going to play this repertoire again? Um, I just recently um, watched some very phenomenal uh, groups. Uh, Michigan State, they just had a concert where they did um, uh, different chamber works from French composers, um, works by Han, WC. Uh, Ravel, and it was a phenomenal concert. Uh, CCM just put on a concert with um, Aslanka. Um, Milliken just did uh, some other uh, pieces or chamber pieces. And it got me thinking, is this the new fad that we're doing? Is chamber works the new thing? Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What is it? Can both sections, could big works, uh, full ensemble works and small ensemble works, can they coexist? I mean, they have, but usually one dominates the other. Um, like what, what is going to be? So I'm, I'm, I want to hear what you guys have to think about that, you know, because both of you um, are, you know, in, in the call and, you know, getting your master's degree, you're part, both part of ensembles. What do you think? Is this, a, is this the new thing? Um, so I think this is going to be an interesting uh, conversation because I am, I'm more ensemble based, whereas Michael, I believe, likes chamber works, more, like chamber uh, performances more. But I do love chamber ensembles. Michael loves performing in ensembles as well. But those are our, our personal preferences. And so for me, this has sucked. Okay, uh, not playing in ensembles, like large ensembles. I, I was looking back the other day on like concert recordings and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I used to get to do that. Like, you know, and just, it's something that is not a thing right now, you know? And we like, I mean, look at what Berlin is doing, the Atlanta Symphony is doing. Um, the groups that are in session right now are doing chamber works because that is the only thing that is allowable right now. And we're getting to hear some really stellar performances of these chamber on all of these chamber works. And so I hope this is something that continues. Like, of course, during the season, there's so many things an orchestra wants to play or like a, a, a group at a college or university wants to do. And we're so like picky about our time and what we want to play. But at the same time, like the playing the same things like kind of over and over again, sometimes you need a refresher. And I feel like this has been a refresher for large ensemble groups everywhere because they're being, if they are in session, um, they're being forced to try other things. You can't really place the Bailey's, you know, with a, I mean, like, you know, symphony number two, you could try, but it won't be as effective. So it's like, well, what about, you know, Stravinsky's octet, like trying some really cool, just like things that people actually wouldn't think they'd want to hear. 
You could change someone's mind. You could completely change someone's mind. So I think it's to that point where it's kind of like, do we want to continue down the road? Like what if, when, if all of this is over or handled or tamed, do we want to just revert back to what we were doing? Or is it like this thing, chamber ensembles and performing, is that something that we want to continue? I'm sure Michael has an opinion on that. I love solo and chamber playing. That's it. That is all my life could contain. I would be the happiest person in the world. Like, it's fine to sit in the back of an orchestra and play, and it's fine to... I, I love wind, on, wind band playing, too. But it's just, like, there's nothing better than, like, five to eight people. Stavinsky's out there. Just, like... That's just, like, there's no, nothing better. Like, love conductors, too. Love you, Anthony. But there's nothing better than to have an inner conductor, like within the five. I'm lucky enough here. I can't do to, it without us. Uh, excuse you. Um, I'm lucky enough to play with the graduate brass quintet here at Western. And we're doing a bunch of rap right now. It's so easy because there's only five of us. We just spread out and we do our thing with the, the proper equipment and the aerosol stuff and everything. But um, we also, here at Western, we have our orchestra is rehearsing. But we're doing, like, smaller works, like Mozart 36, the Linz Symphony. Go Mozart. Um, we're doing Wagner. Um, what's the name of it? Sig, Sig, we're doing a Wagner piece. Then there's a string orchestra piece. And then, um, so we have stuff here for, and then the wind bands here are doing a lot more chamber. Like I know one of them is doing a Gabrielli. Can't live life without Gabrielli. If you try, you're failing. <laughs> you need Gabrielli in your life. Um, and then there's like a bunch of other composers. But I think chamber music has taken a back seat in uh, universities and high schools and middle schools. Like, I can almost guarantee you, and this is coming from someone who's only 22, I mean, my master's, you know, I mean, not in the field yet, but if we add chamber music to all levels of music, the musicians will be better because their peers are encouraging them to be better, not the teachers. Because if your teachers encourage you to be better, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I know I need to be better. But when your peers push you, like every week, we have three rehearsals a week with the GBQ here. After I leave every rehearsal, I'm like, God, I need to go practice some more. I need to do this. I get something from each different player. And I'm like, God, I wish I was as consistent. I wish I had this lovely sound. I wish I never got tired. Like every low brass person ever, because your mouthpiece is huge. You don't know what it is. You know what I mean? So like, I love chamber music, and that's my biggest passion. Like, a period besides trumpet yeah what i what i liked about what you just brought up was the idea of implementing chamber music into young like music education and anthony i i kind of want to hear what you have to say about this like um i've coached young chamber groups during summer camps before and the thing that i love the most about it is the beginning of the week you know i kind of freaked them out a little bit and i'm like you know they're like okay when are you going to start conducting i'm like i'm not they're like, how, but we've never, you know, and it's funny to see their faces and it's like, how would you, so tell me, how would you do this? And they're kind of like, 
oh, I guess movement, right? I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So we're getting somewhere. And then having that, like, they start self-governing themselves. It's crazy the amount of leadership that comes out of playing chamber music. I absolutely see that as a huge benefit with teaching the younger musicians. Imagine if your little middle schoolers could play little trios together without you. That's taking it to a whole nother level. And of course, like Anthony, you can talk about this because this is your field, but do you have the time to do that? Is that something that most people want to do? They just can't find, or is it not in your curriculum? Like what, what do you think about it? Give us your opinion on that. You know, my opinion has definitely morphed over the past four years. When I came in to college, um, I was like, chamber music, yuck. Like, it's all about the full wind ensemble. It's all about the full choir. Boom, boom, boom. Like, I, I remember my, I used to tell Michael, like, why is chamber work the thing? Why is doing solo things? Because for me growing up, I always got goosebumps when there were, like, three or more people. So my favorite ensembles, like my favorite artist growing up was never a solo person. My favorite group, I had a favorite group was Destiny's Child. And the reason it was Destiny's Child is because there were three voices singing together, making these beautiful harmonies going on. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And that kind of morphed into Wind Ensemble where there's 40 um, or so people all have different tones, different qualities, but they're all coming into sound as one. That is why I've just fallen in love with group things, wind ensemble, choirs, things like that. Um, and I used to say there, you know, most high school band directors or middle school band directors, we come in like, that's our thing is big groups. And honestly, I think we don't have enough experience with small ensembles, so that's why it's really not taught, is because we don't have that experience that much. I mean, some might have, some might have more, some might have less. And that's why we never teach it to our kids. But I will say now, because we have to now, I have learned some of the things that you just said was the kids are like, wait, what? So my seventh and eighth graders, um, we were doing, we were in the essential elements book and I was like, all right, here we go. So I brought them in and I stopped conducting and it just went to craziness. There was like, well, you're supposed to be conducting. I was like, no, you need to have an internal pulse. You need to feel what's going on. I am a conductor. I'm supposed to be showing you way the music is phrased. I am not a metronome. Most people think conductors are a metronome. That is not the role of a conductor. So we have been studying, we have been working on developing their internal pulse. With my sixth graders and my beginning students, what they have been doing, I have not conducted once at all because I have a metronome going every day and they've been doing um, rhythm study. So I'll just come up with a five measure, measure rhythm and I just have a metronome and then they go on by themselves. And you know what I found out and that I love, love, love seeing is that when one messes up, the, uh, they're all, they're supportive now, but they start like, you messed up right here, you didn't clap on an and, or you didn't do this, and it's developed into, oh, wow, we're holding each other accountable. The teacher does not need to tell us we've messed up. 
we're here to tell, hey, look, you messed, you, 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 that was a little wrong. Try that one more time again. And then seeing them like, you got this, you got this. Don't ever say you can't do anything because you can. I have loved seeing that. So I think because of what's going on right now, there is going to be a, a rise in small ensemble works and a rise in less teacher-based space. Um, that. Um, and I'm very proud, and I'm very, very, very proud of where it's going. But I will say, here's my one caveat to small ensemble works. As of right now, we are doing a lot of small ensemble works that was written over 75, 100 years ago. If we, and we've seen this in the past, if we continue to just do things of the past, we're losing the future. Um, so some of my kids now, they're, they're saying, can we do this? Can we do this? Some things that they, they know. And I'm like, yes, we are. Because if we cannot connect with the future generation, then music is going to cease to exist. So my, my thing that I, I ask whoever is listening to this, if you're a composer or if you're somebody, please start writing music for with small ensembles for right now. That is using the, the uh, materials that kids would fa fall in love to. Because I love Stravinsky's octet, love Stravinsky's uh, symphony uh, for wind instruments. Um, I love Han, I love all of them, but that was written over literally a hundred years ago. What about now? And, and this is something that I'm always gonna say, and I'm always going to be a big supporter of, of new music. Because if we don't have new music, then the people out there, the people who are non-musicians, they're not going to come in here. They're not. And to whoever listening, because especially because I know we're going to have some people who are more seasoned than us who are going to say, well, old music, that's what it is. I'm sorry. I'm a young person. And it took me a long time to even develop my love for Stravinsky and Beethoven, all those people. So I know if I, and I'm a music geek, what about the sixth graders, the fifth graders, the fourth graders? They, they want to hear something that's more modern to them. So that is my, my creed, my, my ask, my everything is to ask. Let's develop music for small ensemble for now, for the kids, for the generations now and to come. Yeah, I think all of that really just show, just says it's all about exposure. It's all about what what's the top people doing. If I, as a band director, see the top bands not doing chamber stuff, why would I do that? All right. And if I'm a symphony director at a university and I don't see the top symphony orchestras in the world doing chamber music, why would I do that? It's all about like what you see the top people doing. So it's almost, a, it's like, using your uh, the platform you have using the voice you have to bring about this new music uh, showing new composers like exposing the world to new composers new musicians of like di like diverse like musicians and because that's that's how it starts that's how it starts is you have to see it first if we're not seeing it we're not thinking about it you know out of sight out of mind and so i feel like the reason why chamber music has um, not been as relevant or isn't hasn't been implemented to the the highest degree within education is because it's not doing that in the professional field. It's taken a, a back like a backseat. And it's funny because if you think about early music, 
and like that like from that time it was mainly chamber and solo works anyway and then it was like the orchestra the, the huge ensembles are more recent thing but that's what we've clung to because it's big boisterous ah yeah so many musicians beautiful whatever um but chain watch like like watching chamber groups especially like with conductors or without conductors but especially for me seeing young people conducting each other with like just being like okay guys like look at me i'm like wow look at their brain go they're like they're understanding like oh she's lifting that means that's a downbeat and you see like being a chamber coach for summer camps i get to see that development of them watching whoever whoever is the conductor of the group and understand the inflections listening to each other because basically yeah you are not meant to be a metronome anthony conductors are not meant to be a metronome no. you're to show show the phrase and everything so for chamber ensembles it is basically saying it is your responsibility as a player of this group to keep the time for yourself to like listen for the musical phrases between your uh your member the members of the ensemble and you so yeah i think it all comes from the top and the top isn't exactly a good example of you know showing you know showing chamber music now it is so now it's a question of do we want are, are they going to continue doing this afterwards um one thing that you said which is a big word and i, I will always say this diverse composers diverse music um because if it's not diverse if we continue to play i'm sorry the the previous composers that we have been playing that are not diverse it's not going to connect very well because the world we're living in now is diverse no one is alike and that is what we want so we need to uh invest in diverse materials that's it please let's just get diverse let's not let's not keep playing the same old thing over and over again i'm tired of it i'm tired of it. i'm gonna say it right now i'm tired of it i um i have a different view of the chamber thing uh, sometimes, like, we, they mention it comes from the top. I've always been somebody, well, you know what? Let's start at the bottom. Let's be the change. You know what I mean? And so, like, I was fortunate enough while I was at Kennesaw to help um, start slash be the first coach of two different high schools starting chamber music programs. That was Cass High School and North Paulding High School. And, of course, they had chamber music before, but we, like, really started – I was the coach. I came in every single week and also did some brass um, sectionals with them too. Um, but like for me to see these students, like you're placing a quintet. Like when I was at CAS, I had two quintets and a trumpet ensemble. Very easy. You know what I mean? To see them go from like the first day where they can't even get through like row, row, row your boat together to the last day performing these works that are known for like high school and younger college by themselves, me stepping back. That was just transformative. And then when I hear them in the sectionals, when I'm there coaching the whole, all of them and their colleagues and peers, they're like, they're making some corrections while I'm talking to these other people. And I figured in the back of my brain, that is what a band director wants. While I'm talking to the flutes, the trumpets are fixing their own thing. They don't need me to talk to them. Or if I do, they'll be like, we already got it. I just told them if this isn't correct, let me know. You know what I mean? 
And that's what we get to in college. If we can start that earlier, imagine the more diverse music. And this is where I am a little bit of a different person. I, when coaching quintets, is a warhorse person. Your first year in quintet, if you cannot make a phrase out of Bach, how are you going to play all these rhythms and all these nuanced new works correctly? Like, yes, we're going to play those works as well, but we have to play music and make it and work together in a chorale. That's the easiest thing ever. Then we go to this stuff like Stravinsky's Octet, which is right here. You know what I mean? Can you make stuff like that? Or like for Brass Quintet, a very big standard is Die Banga Sang Leader. If you haven't played it, you need to play it. It's great. But it's old music, very old. And like I let Anthony one time see my rep list for the what when I was at North Paulding, what all four quintets were doing. He was like, all these people are really dead. Like, yeah, they're really dead, but this is the, just the foundation. And how I brought diversity, like, not like, I'm not saying I was a huge diversity person, because there's not a lot of new works for Brass Quintet that high schoolers can obtain and play well. You don't want high schoolers to play stuff bad. Then they're going to be like, oh, okay, we only have to get it to this point and we can perform it. No. What I did was I brought out the nuances of this composer is German, this composer is French, this composer is English. What is the difference? That is what we can start with while new music is being written. But we have to take it upon ourselves to commission those works, to like be like, hey, write this stuff. Like while I was at Kennesaw, I know my quintet, I think we played at two composers' recitals um, that the student composers did, and we commissioned a different piece for our, was gonna be our recital. And that is what we have to do. But like, we have to also be the people who commission younger chamber works, or they're gonna play out of these Canadian brass books, or they're gonna play this Row, 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 Your Boat, or they're gonna play Die, Bang, a Sangalier, the Bach Corrals, you know what I mean? But I am a big person of, if you start with the old, you can play the new a lot better. If you start with the new, like some of the new works that's chamber stuff, it's just hard to read. I can't count the rhythms. And I've been doing this for a long time. You know what I mean? So the new stuff, y'all can't get too crazy for high school. You have to make it interesting. I do agree. But you can't go what you do for college. And that's what the new music just seems like it is overly difficult for difficult reason sometimes. Yeah. Some of it is very difficult, but when we when we're asking for new music, we're asking for new music for all ages and specifically for middle and high school because that's where it needs to be. Um, old music, yes, it is great, love it, woo woo woo, but there is something that is a disconnect, and then some will argue that well they got to learn it. Uh, well, good luck with that the generation mine and after me will fight you every single day until something one of you is at a standstill and i will tell you that right now teaching the newer ones that that's the real tea because uh, like lauren said earlier our generation is not someone where you're just going to tell us this is how it has been this is why you have to do it we don't take that and the people that comes after us they don't take that whatsoever either 
So when I asked for diversity, I Bach loved the man, but I'm sorry, the man's been dead for like 200 and something years. Sorry, goodbye, we'll play you. How we need to be the people who are alive because the people who are alive, we can call them up. We can get them, you know, tell us about this music. How do you want this to be phrased? There are debates, thousands of debates on one freaking piece of Bach and eight measures. There's a whole debate about it. No one's going to know exactly how it went because the man's been dead for over 200 something years. So instead of wasting, or not really wasting, but instead of putting all your energy there, we could put our energy into commissioning new works to be written for younger ensembles and getting those composers to one, get out there, get their name out there, uh, let them, you know, come and get their wings into helping us develop their music, help us develop their voice. I love being a part of that. When I was at Kennesaw, um, getting works commissioned and being with them and while they're doing their work, like I was the conductor for um, one of the, uh, the string composer projects and working with them like, is this what you want? Is this what you were asking for? You know, also having my voice in it as well, but having that collaboration where the composers collaborating with me, the composers co collaborating with the ensemble and having this trifecta thing, that is my big thing that I love to do. So it's not that my, my just distraughtness about old music, it's just there needs to be new music. We need to be focusing on things that are happening now respect the old, but really focus on what's happening now and what's going to happen in the future. I, I think the biggest thing about this conversation we just had is the idea of collaboration. And um, with COVID being a thing, I think the biggest thing that we saw come out of it was just more of people wanting a sense of community like we the craving we were wanting to be back together we want to do things that involve that get us more involved with each other and so chamber ensembles are a great way to do that and new commissioning new music in general you are working with a new alive composer who is able to come in and talk to the ensemble and say, hey, this is what I meant by this. Or just go, oh, you know what? I actually don't like that. Let me change that. And change, because it's a constantly, art is always evolving. And so I see, I understand both perspectives of, you know, you have to make them, make sure they can start with a corral and understand where things line up vertically. And then you start throwing some things to them where they have to really listen to each other and understand things to a different level of individualist, individual playing. And so it, it's a starting ground. It's, it develops into that. So you, I think you're both saying the same thing and you're talking about the different points. Now with having new, like composers commissioning chamber works where the children can actually start with those pieces are something that needs to happen. They come out with some books. Come on, composers, like have a book of brass quintet for middle school ages. You know, it, it, how amazing would that be? Or woodwind quintet for middle school, woodwind quintet for high school, and just have an entire book of pieces written for um, these, these groups of these ages. And you'll see some just, they will start using them. They will start, it starts, it has I'll to. I'll take them. I'll look. 
band director right here i will pay for them and look and this is a this is a thing for the current dma students the current master students who are trump uh performance major flute performance majors here's the, your doctoral master's thesis all of that stuff guess what make a freaking book for middle and high school ages and guess what? i promise you will get rich and you'll get an a and you'll pass and get your degree i promise because that is what we are missing the books that we have right now was made in 1980 something and we're still using it those a lot of those things are kind of out of date so we need something now so please if you are a master's student or a doctoral student you don't know what your thesis or your dissertation is going to be, think about that. Because I, Anthony Morris, right now on uh, October the 3rd, 2020, will say I will be the first one to purchase it. Amen. I would love to see undergraduate composition majors write stuff. Because I feel like you know, you're going through, I'm not a composition major. This is all speculation. You can correct me, send me a Facebook message, email, let me know. But what I see is the, the undergraduate brain is un, is raw talent, especially in the composition. You get more trained as you go, just like education, just like everything else. So I would like to see, because this might even help them, they compose for younger, because you are the younger. And as you get older, you can write the works. And if you want to be in undergrad and write for our high schools and, I mean, college, do that too. But I feel like the undergraduate composition majors new to this, it would benefit them so much to write for middle school, write for high school. Because I'm telling you, if you do that and you release them, you will be the guy going to coach these and do that stuff. And then your masters will just open up. Your doctoral will just open up because you already made your brand. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, and also if there are if there are books out there for these things, please let us know if there are sources where people are composing, you know, these uh, for these small young chamber ensembles and everything. Tell us. Um, you know, and maybe it's a thing, but it's not, people aren't doing it. So people aren't using it. We're not searching for it, but let's make it more relevant. Like I would love to see that. I would love to see that. Um, and it's just, it's something that isn't going to just change tomorrow. Right. It's something that has to be a gradual thing that we have to implement and continue to do so that it actually lasts a really long time. Um, so I, I mean, I, I love that. I love that discussion about the chamber ensembles because we love chamber music, you know, just, just like we love full ensemble, but it is a different level of learning and it's, it's different skills. And so if we're not doing those, implementing those in like young education, then that's a whole nother skill set that is lost on them. So that is, you know, we'll see what happens in a year from now and five years from now, from 10, in 10 years from now, what changes, is, is it going to be our generation to do it? The next generation, I hope to see it in my lifetime. I do too. I get, like Lauren just said, if there is any materials um, that you know of that, you know, composers have written in the past 10 or so years, please, please, please send us a message, either comment on YouTube, uh, send it to our email at relative pitch, 
um, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, go ahead and DM one of us on either Instagram or Facebook or send to our personal email something. Let us know because each one of us, at the end of the day, we want to be teaching somewhere. Um, I know Michael wants to be teaching trumpet at a university. Lauren wants to possibly teach flute at a university. I would like to teach as well. Or, well, I am teaching, but you know, future. Um, but we need these. And honestly, you know, getting a list of those resources and spreading the word. Because we cannot ask these composers to create things and no one is doing their stuff. Again, this is their livelihood as well. So we need to go ahead and start spreading it out. This is 2020 and we need to be doing that. We need to be uplifting everyone in this field because if we don't uplift from inside, then nobody else will. So we yes. need to go ahead. You. Let us help, help us help you. Yes, please, please. Please, absolutely. And I think we're getting into the part of the episode where we're going to start wrapping up. Yeah. And just like the last one, I have another quote for you, if you can find it. And this really goes into what we're doing now. No matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. And that is so important with music students right now. You, I, us, are going to be told no for so long, you honestly have to just kick down the door. Like I remember when I was the uh, third year or second year, second year, begging to start coaching some chamber ensembles out of high school or middle school. And then by the time I graduated, I've co coached, like I had four quintets at the last high school I was at. Four, one per each grade level. Imagine how good that freshman quintet's gonna be in three years from now. You know what I mean? Chamber music is a big part of things. It needs to come back into our curriculum. We really need to make it a priority. That's selfishly, you know what I mean? But high school band directors, hire undergrads, hire master students, hire people who want to do it and have a passion. Because honestly, I ain't trying to diminish our self-worth, but we will work for a little bit less than the normal rate if your kids are passionate about it. Now, this will be a debate for later for the groups that don't have money. Me. Um, you still have to develop some type of small ensemble time as well. So if you cannot afford something, then what you can't afford is your time. That is it. So don't use that excuse because for a long time I tried to use that excuse, but it really does come from the head. And the head person in your group is you. And I think if anything, being a musician in COVID time has taught us how to be innovative. And so if you, there are opportunities that you want for yourself, your ensemble that you don't see, do it, create it, be the one to actually create it. We, we have created things out of thin air. Like me and Anthony the, are the student, the Kennesaw State University School of Music Student, student Advisory Council. We were like, we wish there was an organization that would represent the students within the School of Music. We created it. It wasn't there. We were the ones to say, it needs to happen. We're going to do it. So it's not, we're past the point of saying this is what, something we need. It's also something we have, the next step is actually doing it. If, if you don't see it, find either you do it or find people to help you create it. Um, 
that, that's that's all I can say about it. Is not everything that we're 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 these are fresh ideas. We're young. We are new to these fields. So we're going to be having these ideas that we you you're not going to see anywhere. So we have to be the ones to implement them. And so it has to start somewhere. So why not with you? I will say it right before we cut off. If you're a band director, young, old, whatever, and you're listening to this for some chance, and you want to start Brass Chamber Works, please email me. I will devote time for you, even if you don't have money, to help you get started and to build your repertoire. And coaching, I can do over Zoom if you're not in Kalamazoo, Michigan. I will, I will help you start it, because chamber music is an integral part of music that is forgotten about, in my opinion. So I think with that, I think we're about to say adios. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Don't, don't forget to follow us on our social medias. Everything will be linked down below. If you're watching on YouTube, everything will be in all of our bios, that it, wherever this will be posted. So please, please, please give us a like. Give us a follow. Subscribe. Subscribe. Be all that. Thank you so much for listening um to today's podcast and i hope to you hear us on the next one bye everybody bye bye see you next time